Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Save big money and start your spring project with help from Menards. We offer a huge selection of body plants, veggies, and herbs to plant at home and grow yourself. Right now, all four and a half inch body plants are on sale through May 5th. Head to the Menards Garden Center to get your garden growing. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, a podcast against shame. I hope you're well. I'm, uh, I'm in a good mood because I've had an extremely stupid 24 hours. And if you were following me on Instagram this week, you'll know what I mean because I got to go to a film premiere very clear that I haven't uh, been to one of those um, in uh, over two years and that I was extremely starstruck by everyone there from all of my behaviour, including the vaguely disturbing video of me trying to just sniff a bit of the air near Keanu Reeves. Just because Keanu Reeves. I can't believe he was there. I can't believe I'm in a film with him. It's an animated film. It's called The League of Super Pets. It's part of the DC universe. I play Wonder Woman. And it is so fun. And I got to meet Keanu and have selfies with Keanu. And he's so good and so great. And I got to meet The Rock for the second time in my life. The first time I met him was 14 years ago. I was doing, it was like he was like one of the first celebrities I ever met or interviewed for my new job. I was like still an English teacher at the time and being tried out as a, as a journalist. And he was so kind to me. And it was kind of the beginning of him becoming a movie star. He'd been a famous wrestler and, and he'd had to overcome so much snobbery, so much skepticism about his capacity to be a film star. And so he was kind of breaking through at the time. And it's been so amazing to watch from afar because I never got to meet him again, how he has destroyed, like absolutely obliterated any skepticism whatsoever. And he's like the last of the great movie stars now. He's one of the biggest stars in the world. And he's done it without ever becoming a dick, without ever abusing his power. He's such an unproblematic fave. We all have, especially me, so much to learn from the way he carries himself and how he uses how big and powerful he is, not to make other people feel small, but to make them feel as big as him. He's just pumping everyone up around him. And I got to see him again last night at the premiere and I couldn't believe that I'd gone from having a three-minute interview with him where he agreed to arm wrestle me which obviously I won um to now 14 years later I've been beyond my wildest imagination starring opposite him in a film <laughs> that's so stupid it's too stupid to even deal with uh and so yeah I fanned out really hard at him at Keanu, at Vanessa Bayer, who's also in this. The cast is wild. Kevin Hart, Olivia Wilde, Mark Maron, John Krasinski. Uh, I'm sure I'm leaving. Diego Luna, so great. Everyone in this is so great. And then me. (laughs) Why am I there? 
they're all A-list and I feel like I'm more on like the way list. Um, so I went full competition winner. And if you saw my Instagram this week, you'll get it. You saw it. You're a little bit maybe embarrassed for me. That's cool. But I made a decision, guys. Before I stepped onto that red carpet, I went to my inner 13-year-old self and I said, this day is for you, kiddo, because you had a shit time as a child. And so just let your freak flag fly. And boy, did I. And I embodied everything proudly that I always tell you to do, which is when you feel like an imposter, and I literally was an imposter. Come on, what the fuck was I doing there? Don't allow it to make you feel bad or unwelcome or insecure. Treat it like you have crashed a wedding and you are there to get as much cake and free shit as possible. That's what I did. I really walked the walk yesterday, guys. For better or worse, I was my truest, most authentic, uh, imposter proud self. And I it's the only I think it's the only time I've ever really truly had that much fun on a red carpet. I I really want to spend time reconnecting with my inner child more and allowing myself to be as silly as possible in such a stupid, self-serious, pretentious nonsense industry. (laughs) So expect to see more of that, expect to hear more about that sort of stuff. I'm really sorry, I get it if you abandoned me, but I had a fucking blast. And, uh, you know, got to kind of sniff Keanu and he smells like dignity and uh, goodwill and um, grace. Uh, None of which I smell like, I'm sure. Um, I just sort of smell of old cake. Anyway, that's how my week was. I haven't looked at the news in 24 hours, which is probably why I'm in a good mood right now. And so I just wanted to share that with you and tell you I love you because I don't think I would have gotten to a place of that authenticity without the help of this podcast and this podcast community and all the messages and the letters that you write me. I feel like we are all on a journey to our truer selves together via some of the excellent guests and via the work that you guys are all doing on your own away from this. And today's guest is absolutely no exception. I think that she is someone we can all learn so much from. Her name is Sophie Hagen and she is truly the greatest joy on the internet. One of the funniest people I've seen on stage, off stage, on TikTok. You should go and find everything that she does and says and tweets and writes, and you should listen to her podcast, Bad People. And it's just so unpretentious, so thrillingly authentic and honest, and taking everyone on her learning journey and taking everyone through her very, very personal experiences. And I think just represents something that I find so loving and frank and and progressive. She's not a punitive person. She's made her own mistakes and owns them all and, and is here to make herself better and invite as many people along the, the ride as possible, which I think resonates a lot with me. And we talk about a lot of varied things and and her mental health and her experience with her body as a fat person and I think so movingly she talks to me about something that isn't discussed enough publicly which is how the pandemic whilst also being incredibly traumatic for a lot of fat people because people were randomly blaming COVID on fat people based on very poor science at the same time they finally had a break from having to be outside where they receive such endless 
obsessive observation and commentary and rudeness and abuse and a world that doesn't fit them, that is made to feel like they aren't welcome. They got to have a break from that. And that was actually very peaceful for a lot of the mental health of a lot of people who exist in bigger bodies. And I think that's really fucking beautiful and devastating that it took that for them to be able to feel at ease and to be able to feel welcome and safe. And we talked about what it's like to come back out of that and the kind of culture shock of like, oh shit, nothing has changed enough. So that's an incredible conversation. And she talks about it so elegantly and humanly in a way that I think will resonate with a lot of people, regardless of their experience. And we also talked about our shared struggle of being too honest and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, what we want from other people. We talk about the world at large. She's extraordinary when it comes to not only her own inner reflection, but also her observations around the world. And it's what makes her a great stand-up and a great voice of our generation. So please enjoy the excellent Sophie Hagen. I love her so much. Sophie Hagen, welcome to Iway. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, you look especially beautiful today. I feel oh. as though I'm sad the world cannot see you, so we're definitely going to have to use some sort of clips. Um, how are you feeling? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm in a. I'm in a uh, uh, one of those. Um, do you know how therapy is always like two steps forward, one step back, two mm-hmm. steps forward, one step back? I'm in the forward, forward bit right now, so I'm very good. Is that uh, straight after therapy or is that just when you're going through a long period of therapy? That's all of therapy. It's all progress. Okay. So you'll take two steps forward and then you'll go, oh, actually, this is a bit scary. Let me just take one step back to what's safe. And then when you're done feeling safe, you can take two more steps and then you go, oh, hang on, one step back. So in my uh, therapeutic progress, uh, I've just had a, a massive step back where I was just absolutely incapable of functioning for a couple of weeks. And then something happened and now I'm ready to take more steps. I don't know if that sounds really woo or sounds weird, a bit smug. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am so smug about this. I'm very notoriously smug. <laughs> yeah, notoriously smug, Sophie. I um. I'm so happy to hear that you're feeling good and strong today. I really, after speaking to you on the phone the other day, I was I was really sad that we didn't know each other when we were young. Because I feel like we oh, would have been, been cool. I feel like we would have been friends. I, I'm, I was hard to be uh, a friend with. <laughs> <I was not. laughs> Wait, is that I you rejecting not. the fictitious version of our friendship as children? It's, that's great. It's that's me fucking warning great. you. Yeah, thanks. It's me warning you. It's me saying, good luck. Good luck, my friend. I think what I took away from our, our phone call the other day was that I think, I think we're very similar in that, and this is also going to sound really smug. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I'm honest by default. Right. To the extent where it's, it's not always doing me favors. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like everyone can see if I'm lying. So if I lie, it's a very deliberate Thing I have to really focus on and, and think about, uh, which 
you know, I should be doing a lot of the time, you know, especially when talking on podcasts or with the press or on a stage, you, know, yeah. you should be thinking an extra time about what you're saying. And I don't, I just blurt it all out. And I think I've all, always done that. And I, I couldn't understand when people were lying because I just couldn't understand why people would make the conscious decision to, to do so. I, I know exactly what you mean. And uh, I have been a devastating truth teller most of my life. And sometimes my truth isn't even the correct thing to say, which is what leads mm. to some relatively unfortunate moments online. Um, uh, but I, I, I speak before I think, and I think I'm kind of wrestling with finding the line because there's a part of me that feels as though women in particular but anyone socialised as female are conditioned to not speak our minds and to not have the freedom to be allowed to figure things out and maybe get something wrong and maybe then learn in real time and come back better. So maybe it's okay to have representation of people who, you know, who do just go with their gut and don't wait for the perfect level of education or the perfect um, words before they speak out, especially because I exist in social justice where it's all a fucking emergency, like the house is burning down, there's not time to always wait until you're an expert, especially not if you're me and you cannot read. Um, so <laughs> I, I can read, I just uh, find it very uh, difficult and time consuming. Um, but what I was going to say is that, so finding that line between like making sure that I'm not oppressing myself but also not causing a huge amount of unnecessary mess and chaos to other people. Well, can I ask you, do you also, does it work the other way for you as well? Do you also need, would you also prefer the truth to be told to you quite directly? Oh, I'm almost aroused by blunt, like, truth. I I yeah. personally cannot bear small talk. I cannot bear pussyfooting around shit. I cannot I cannot handle I cannot handle anything and I can sense it immediately. I cannot stand disingenuousness. And I, I don't mean it in like a judgmental way, as in like I start to actually panic. And it's some of the only times that I feel really genuinely anxious. And if I think someone's lying to me uh, about anything, especially about me, I immediately just want to shut down and push them away. I don't even want to attack. I just feel deeply unsafe. And so all of my friends are terrifying truth tellers and extremely blunt towards me. And I think that's been really good, especially considering I've had uh, this glitzy career full of bullshit. And so I was desperately in need of people who would keep me extremely grounded and mm. they have. So I think that that creates a bit of a problem for me because I love blunt honesty, even if it's on the cusp of rude or is rude. And I think because of that, it's taken me most of my life to understand that other people do not feel the same way. And I feel mm. like you and I both have a big obsession with what is fair and what is right and what is truthful and just. And so I think because we're so obsessed, both of us, with the pursuit of that moment, of that connection with someone where the absolute most utmost truth has been exposed, I think that it can distract us from, you know, societal norms. And while I think a lot of societal norms are bullshit and uh, lie and oppression and, and uh, respectability politics and, and often mean that really important things don't get said and people don't get the help that they need, there is a, as we said earlier, there's a balance of timing. Um, I don't know if it's especially helpful, but something I've been doing that has been getting me slightly better results with um, people is to ask for their permission to tell them something extremely blunt. Mm, yes. 
And also I'm very, I'm not good at phone calls. Right. I'm very good at voice notes and sending videos. So that's how I communicate with most of my friends when I don't see them in person is voice notes. Cause I will listen to what they have to say. And then mm-hmm. I will take a couple of minutes of thinking, you know, what, what state of mind are they in? How did they sound? What do I know about them? Okay. This is not the time for me to say, well, you fucked up, didn't you? <laughs> this is a time for me to just listen and ask questions or, you know, that has really changed a lot. Cause once it's a phone call, I can get very into my own head. Cause I'm still, I'm still, I have a CPTSD and I'm still very much in a constant state of fight flight mode, which essentially means that my entire nervous system constantly think that we're under threat. So there isn't a lot of um, excess energy to deal with what, it's essentially smaller things compared mm-hmm. to, you know, being chased by a tiger. Stuff like, you know, giving an extra thought to people's uh, emotional state. You know, if you're being chased by a tiger and someone's like, oh, I'm a bit sad about my boyfriend. You're not going to go, tell me about it. You're going to just scream. Well, dump him then and keep running, right? And that's often where it comes from because I don't have that space unless I really place myself in it. Because right. Is Again, that getting better with trauma. is that getting better with therapy? Because I find that the clearer yeah. my head becomes, the easier it has become for me to become a more considerate person. And I do think that that's important. I really don't mm. like it when people just go, "That's just how it is." I do no, think no, no, we no, have no. to. I do think we have to be malleable. Um, one thing you've been speaking about recently is how much better you have felt in the last two years. Obviously, ebbs and flows, but because of the pandemic, you have been freed from society's like quite rampant and violent fat phobia and it is something that I would really love to talk to you about it's something that we haven't really spoken about on this podcast in this exact context but the way you describe the peace that you and other friends who are fat have felt during the pandemic in spite of the fact that online and in the news mm. there was a lot of um, attack of fat people saying they were more predisposed to get COVID and and they were the cause of the fucking pandemic. Like, it became absolutely mm. bonkers. We just went from group to group to group of just blame rather than looking at the government <laughs> failing, mm. failing everyone miserably. Um, but you were still, from not having to go outside, spared people's unsolicited opinions on you and your health and your size and the way that you look. Can you talk to me a bit more about that? Because I think a lot of people at various sizes can relate. It was, and it was something I I probably still feel irrationally a bit guilty about because, and I think everyone who got anything positive from the experience of the pandemic and the lockdowns, we very much feel like we should not have, we should not have been anything but horrified throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And we also were that, of course we were. Um, But I found it interesting to see the reaction I had when, you know, when the government started pretending that it was, you know, not happening anymore. So they just opened the world and I began having to go outside. And the difference, because I was for a year, two years, I'd mostly been inside. Uh, I barely you know, I didn't go on public transportation. I didn't go out to eat. I didn't go to the theater. I didn't, you know, fly anywhere. And I'd forgotten how it felt because one thing is the comments. Of course, there are people shouting things in the street or people looking at you or... There's you say of course, kind of, but that's objectively fucking crazy. But yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, but that's also, I kind of prefer that 
to the other stuff where it's um, uh, so subtle that you can't, it's not even, it's not even visible to anyone, which is where it's, so for example, sitting down on the tube in London and there's only a certain amount of seats that I can fit into, Mm -hmm. uh, the ones at the very, very side of it, like the end, which is where you usually only sit if you're pregnant or uh, have a disability or anything like that. So you already feel really bad about, you know, taking up that, um, that space because you're like, oh no, (laughs) this is the only place I can sit. But there's also the, you know, people would rather stand than sit next to you. And if they do sit next to you, there's either like an aggressive elbow in the side uh, because they kind of want to show that you shouldn't be taking up a bit more space. And there's the, the, you know, people being completely crammed together, but no one sits next to you. And the general feeling of not being welcome anywhere, you know, walking through the streets, realizing that there's not, you can't fit into any of the clothes and any of these uh, shops, you know, you're not represented on any of the billboards. Um, there's a con- there's a constant like, can this chair hold me, mm. or should I not be sitting down? Or oh, this chair has armrests. Okay, so I'm gonna need to ask for a different chair. And it's this, you are constantly reminded that the world is not built for you, and no one really wants you there. And then at the same time, there will be all these adverts about. Oh, you know, the news about how fat people are the reason that the pandemic is there or, I mean, the reason for everything evil in the world. So it's it's a lot of minuscule attacks. Yeah, death that, by a thousand cuts. Yeah, that's, I don't expect, I don't even expect thin people to notice these things. Uh, and even when it doesn't happen, there's the fear of it happening. So even if you go for a whole day and no one has shouted that you're a fat bitch and you should kill yourself. You, you still like when you walk past someone, you think, is this, oh, okay, no, he didn't shout. Okay, okay, good. You know, there's still the, you know, even if you can fit into the seat, there's the moment of, or the, the anxiety around it. Like, oh, will I get that seat, the one seat I can fit into, you know? And all of those things weren't there when I was at home for two years, you know? And that it it placed it, it made me realize how how much time I spent leading up to leaving my house, just gathering myself and strengthening myself and going, okay, you can do this. And then how much time I spent after I've been outside on just calming my nervous system again and like, whew, you survived. Let's just take a day where you don't do anything and where you just calm yourself down. And that's a lot of time that I have spent my entire life, you know, either preparing for or recovering from just these very uh, subtle aggressions that are constant. Yeah. I'm really, really sorry. And it's also, I mean, I'm sorry and I'm glad because I'm, I think it's so shit when it becomes hyper-normalized to have to deal with with these things like there's something because because even if your brain is kind of processed this as normal your body is never processing it as normal your body always understands you're under attack so you're Mm -hmm. just internalizing all of this stuff but carrying on and kind of just braving through it and and so it is really important that so much of the world in many different ways was able to see oh there's a different way of living like even I think for a lot of uh women 
being inside meant no longer feeling um, not just like pressured to look a certain way or do their fucking eyebrows or whatever, but to not feel scared of men. Those are the women who are mm. lucky enough to not be locked in a house with a scary man. But for a lot of us, not having that that da- daily feel, like I remember being in the house and realizing, wow, I've gone a week without like having to do, you know, what I talked about you on the, I talked about with you on the phone, like death maths of like, how am I gonna get home safe today? Is this mm. Uber driver going to kill me? Is this man who's walking behind me on the street at night going to kill me? Am I safe to walk my dog at this time? Can I wear mm. this shirt? Can I wear this skirt? Like, should I wear heels or will I not be able to run fast enough? Like all of these different things. Um, and so I think, I hope a lot of people can find different ways to relate to exactly what you're saying, that we've really got a glimpse of, in so many ways, it was so horrible and so scary and so awful and such a failure of society. But there mm. were kind of shining moments of shit we could just feel so much calmer (laughs) and safer all the time one of the things I spoke to a lot of my fat friends about was and at first I thought it was just me but then I spoke to a bunch of us about it and a lot of us a lot of us had had really great experiences with our doctors like I had because it was all over the phone and I was speaking to my doctor and he was so, and it was the new doctor. So I hadn't met him with him before and he was just so nice to me. And he was asking all these questions and I was just like, Oh, I'm so happy that my new doctor is great. And then I spoke to a bunch of other people who had the same experience and we kind of all realized at the same time, Oh, they don't see us. That's why they're so nice. You know, because and again, the I could never. Fat phobia in medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that is not, I've never had that with a doctor before. It's always the, you know, I go in and say my finger hurts and they're like, yeah, let's uh, measure your BMI. You know, it's always that, that is always the issue. And, uh, and that was, it felt like the first time I, cause I got a dog during lockdown as well. And the first time I took my dog to the vet and they were so nice to him and they were asking so many questions about him. And I was like, wow, wow. Is this what it's like being thin and going to the doctor? Fuck me. You know, is this what it's like being like a thin you know, white straight man going to the doctor, like, do they then care and ask all these questions? You know, it was, um, it was very surreal. And uh, yeah, and I, I understand, of course, at the same time, you know, you have all the fear because you're told, you know, oh, the, um, when you get the vaccine, you have to ask for a bigger needle because some of the needles don't actually work on fat people. And a lot of the people who give the vaccines haven't been informed about this. So there's suddenly you think, oh, but I just had the vaccine. Did that not work then? How can I? And there's no information. I, yeah. Because and no everything's really your fault. And everything's, yeah. Yeah. And everything is new. And then when you, I did, when I got the second shot, I, I told, I said it to him, I said, hey, before you do anything, can you just, can we just check this thing about the needle? Cause like, I don't know. And he was immediately like, Oh, you're gorgeous. Don't worry about it. Like, you, you, and I was like, no, this is not, I really could not care less I about what you think is my, the so way much. I look. I, I could not care less. Just I, tell me if I will people, die from COVID if you don't do this. Yeah. Oh my God. But the amount of people who say to my friends, you're not fat, you're beautiful. And it's like the two things are not mutually exclusive for fuck's sake. It's, it's it's God. such let's a, evolve it's, beyond that please everyone <laughs> that is not you know you so talk a lot concerned. about this and we've spoken about this in this podcast before with like you know stephanie boa and and aubrey gordon mm. that fat is just a descriptor and it mm. is not a word yeah. that we should feel afraid of and there's inherent but i can't believe people would rather hear obviously it's up to you but when i was 
a fat person, I didn't want to hear the word overweight because the word mm. overweight felt like I was being criticised something. I was over something. I was too much yeah. of something. Being called fat just felt the same as thin or mid. Like it just felt like a descriptor of what I was. It felt literal. And I refused the stigma that came with that word. So when did you, did you never have a negative reaction to fat? I did as a child. Of course I did as a child, but once I became older and I got criticised for my weight on the front cover of magazines, it really just hit me. You know, I was a radio DJ and I couldn't believe that it was anyone's, I mean, it should never be anyone's business ever, but it's like, if you can't even see me, you just need to know that I'm thin over the airways, then that is, that is like so fucking fucked and terrifying. And none of my male colleagues who were all, a lot of them the same size as me or bigger, none of them were subjected to this. So that's when I found like a deep love and appreciation of my body and a fight back that then led to my feeling really safe in that word and wanting to reclaim that word. But when I would say that publicly, it took a long time for that to be received well. Because <laughs> a lot of people don't like it for very good reason because it is used as a slur. But yeah, you are part and, of the movement I, reclaiming it. I mean, and I totally, re- like, for me, it wasn't even, I mean, there's so many layers to why it feels bad for so many people. And I remember it feeling bad. For me, it mm-hmm. was, it was because a lot of the time when you're fat, you spend so much energy and time and it's your whole life revolves around hiding it. You know, you don't want anyone to see, you know, you're wearing all the, black clothes with the stripes and the going the right direction and you you know you're sucking in your belly and you're sitting from a certain angle and you're taking the photo from a certain angle if you do take photos at all and there's everything goes into hiding it and if anyone ever mentions food or exercise or anything like that you're so quick to say yes I exercise three times a week and I only eat salads and also I'm working on this and I'm trying really hard and I am doing it and I've actually lost some weight and so everything you do is this please, please don't see that I am fat. Please don't notice it. It's temporary. I'm not going to be like this forever. I'm going to lose weight very, very soon. And then everything will be fine. So when someone said fat, it was more about feeling seen in a way that I did not want to be seen. Like, oh, they know. But I was wearing this black top and that was meant to be slimming. So it wasn't as much the fact that they told me that I was fat it was more oh no I didn't hide it well enough I can't hide it and there's something about um how much we do not want and which is also why people have the reaction when they say you're not fat you're beautiful because they just people also don't want to see it you know they don't want to have to deal with the fact that you're fat you know so that's why people go hey have you tried this new diet it really works I have you you know because people just want you to be thin They want you to either not exist or be thin because even me just existing as a fat person makes people uncomfortable Mm. and especially thin people. It makes thin people very, very uncomfortable. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week 
you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel. You know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week. You just have this complete freedom. Honestly, I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant. It's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I a charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Save big money and start your spring project with help from Menards. We offer a huge selection of body plants, veggies, and herbs to plant at home and grow yourself. Right now, all four and a half inch body plants are on sale through May 5th. Head to the Menards Garden Center to get your garden growing and check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Like, at least from your, you know, online content, your book, your podcast, you have come to uh, a more stable place with how you feel about it. And I mm. really love the way that you dress and I really love the way that you show your body online and I love your clothes and I love how open you are about dressing and about how you put yourself together. I think that you're extremely transparent how do you feel now about all of this stuff? Or is what you're saying current, all these worries and concerns? Mm. Or does it oscillate? You know, not everything has mm. to be a perfect fucking victory story. I just, I'm just curious because <laughs> there's so much toxic positivity out there where now, and I think it's rooted in something wonderful, but there's so much of kind of like, accept yourself, accept yourself, queen. Like love yourself yeah, at any size. Yeah. And, and then you feel like, oh, fuck, well, if I, if I don't love myself, I'm a bad feminist or I'm fat phobic and I'm, I'm failing again. And so there's another thing you're failing at. So yeah, I was we, just wondering. We, we, went from, we went from being not good enough at being thin to not being good enough at loving ourselves when we're fat. You know, it's, there's always a, something we can't be good enough at. Um, I generally don't think that much about my body. Mm-hmm. Um, y- yesterday I, uh, you know, have you had, um, Substantia Jones on your podcast? No. From the Addie Positivity Project? No. Oh, she's this incredible photographer who has taken nude photos of fat people for so many years. And it's almost like a rite of passage. You know, if you're fat, especially if you're a fat activist, um, you have your nude photo taken by her. And I did that 
last month and it was released yesterday. I saw the so picture and I went and looked at... Uh, um, it's beautiful, isn't account? it? It's, yeah. Photos are so beautiful. It's gorgeous. So, so when you're asking me this today, it's like, well, yesterday was the first time like it was all out there, you know? It was the exact opposite of what I have been trying to do my the first... 20 years of my life, which is try to hide away and not show anything at all. And now there's nothing, there's nothing left to hide, right? It's the, you know, I was, the photo shoot was on a rooftop in Brooklyn and (laughs) she said, go and stand by the rails. And I went to the railing and stood and then realized that I was standing uh, right above a drive-in theater and there were 60 cars all you know, points at my direction. And I was just butt naked, arms stretched out. Just, and it was, it was the most free I've ever felt. And it also felt like the last drop of acceptance. acceptance. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was like, well, there's, there's nothing more now. There's nothing that hasn't been shown. And this is just it. And that, and the that world doesn't stop turning. I have. The world doesn't stop turning. Yeah. I have not died because of it. You weren't randomly <laughs> you know? struck by lightning. Yeah, I was just... It's amazing. It, and, and that's very much the feeling I have right now. It's like, this is it. You know, this is how I look. I'm never going to be thin. I'm never going to try to be thin. I just look like this. And whenever it is a problem for me, and whenever it feels bad, Mm-mm. it is because of, you know not being able to travel because I can't always afford two seats on the plane. Uh, it's um, not being able to go and see my favorite musicals uh, unless I get that one of those six seats that I can fit into. Um, it's it's just the, the limitations or, you know, the very human things of you have a crush on someone and in the back of your head you go, would they though? And you hate that that's the first thing you think of and you hate that it's probably true. And, you know, it's, that's just a very, it's not even because I'm not lonely, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's because it's so subtle and you can't pinpoint it. And then you have these, like you see how the other people live and you kind of know you're being excluded from something. Sound like the little mermaid. And, <laughs> Well, it's more like Ursula, isn't it? Um, So those are the things, and it's mainly to do with society and other people's fat phobia. Uh, Those are the things that can, uh, it's just really annoying. That's the kind of explicit point of all of this, is that this is all coming from the outside in. When you're standing feeling beautiful and powerful with a very accepting artist who's making you feel gorgeous, you feel great. And when you are speaking to a doctor over the phone and getting the treatment that you actually need, rather than just being given a keto plan and no pills or no scans, you know, which when you and I spoke on the phone, I told you that, you know, a few of my friends have almost died because Mm. weight loss has been the prescription for some really, really serious shit that was going on in their body, especially their reproductive systems. Um, and, and, And when you get to exist in your home and you don't get hurled abuse at or you don't have to, uh, make difficult phone calls like the one that you put on TikTok that went viral, which I loved so much of you phoning an airline. And I'd never seen anyone do that before and ask them for two seats. And when they asked you why you need two seats just for one name, you explained 
that it was your size and you were met with a very neutral and like professional yeah. response and yeah, you looked, didn't care at all and there was such a like subtle but like deep relief in your eyes on that video but I yeah. fucking love that you put that on the internet because we don't have enough we don't have enough things like that we don't think about the the phone calls that people have to make and the things that they have to ask about and the positions they have to put themselves in just to accommodate basic fucking comfort it's something that I've spoken about on the podcast I think with uh, Aubrey Gordon was ways in which you know mates can be more of a support is sometimes a, the ultimate is that we'd live in a world where no one feels ashamed about having to ask mm. for an extra thing. And I think people with disabilities also face the same kind of shame that shouldn't exist. But as friends, if you're booking a restaurant, you call the fucking restaurant and make sure that mm. the chairs are big enough or strong enough or whatever, or there's two chairs available. If you're booking a holiday, you maybe have that conversation so that in case the person on the other end of the line is a fucking cunt... <laughs> then (laughs) your friend isn't going to have to deal with their ignorance. Like There are ways Mm. that, and I don't know if you agree, but that's just where I was going with Aubrey, that there are ways that we could like not shield, but just step in and support. You won't find anything where I don't agree with Aubrey. (laughs) Yes, I know. Aubrey is God. (laughs) And if I didn't, I would change my mind so that I did agree with Aubrey. (laughs) Um, I honestly just want to change my name so I could be Aubrey. Like I'm obsessed. (laughs) I wish I was Aubrey. Yeah, go on. I, um, I, it's funny cause I was, my, my instinctual reaction to that was, I just, I mean, I'd be fine if they just acknowledged that it was a thing and Your I was like, oh wow, I'm, I'm really settling. F- yeah. Well, my friends who aren't fat themselves at least. Right. Yeah. You know, it's instead of, it's not even that they're expecting me to make the phone call. It's that they don't even know the phone call has to be made. Mm. And I was just realizing, oh yeah, that would feel. Even that would feel amazing if they were like, oh, do you need a specific seat? Or uh, let me, can you, even if they were like, oh, can you check the seats for this restaurant where we're going? Even just the acknowledgement that I need something extra would have been oh, such a relief. Because one of the other things that are about, um, you know, calling the airline and those things, the, what actually feels what was going through my mind when I was telling this customer service person that I needed two seats and when he asked why. So my words would be, oh, I'm fat, so I need two seats. But then I go, because I've said that before when asking uh, at a at an airport, I asked if they had a, a, a seat with a free seat next to it. Mm. And I was just like, oh, because I'm fat. And the woman started crying because she was, I don't know, sad for me I don't know fuck me and then I had to sort of you know oh no no it's okay and then it became a lot about her and you know and I get it and then it's so then I I began faking shame so that they wouldn't feel as bad so then I would be like oh I'm sorry it's just that I just I'm just a bit I'm just a bit big and you know so that they would feel you know so that they wouldn't be as shocked or so you know, they would, I don't know. You would draw in their empathy for you rather than them make it about themselves. right? Yeah, just to sort of not scare them. I don't know. It basically becomes all about them and their feelings. And that's, that thin feelings can be some of the most fragile (laughs) feelings in the world. And I've had, and so often with friends, if you go, oh, I can't go to that restaurant. I can't fit into the seats. And then it becomes this like, oh no, but... 
I'm so sorry. And we didn't know. And then it, again, it's me having to go, oh, no, don't worry about it. And it's fine. And I'm used to it. And then I'm comforting mm. them because my fatness has made them distraught, you know? And that is one of the things I'm the most tired of. It's this having to having to comfort thin people for being uncomfortable with the way I look. Right. And there's a lot of theories uh, about yeah. why that is. And some people think it's because people are so afraid. Similarly to the way, again, I'm, I'm not comparing like fatness to a disability, but there are certain different uh, groups who people are so afraid of that happening to them that they 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 sort of shut they shun it because they're, they they're overwhelmed with the feeling of their own fear about them eventually almost almost as if it's contagious i had do you know rosie jones you yes. must know rosie jones yeah. yeah she's this incredible uh british comedian uh she has cerebral palsy and when she did my podcast we talked about that those are that we both felt the same way about uh receiving abuse in the street where if we're alone when it happens it's like yeah, that sucked, but it's fine. But if we're with other people who are not, you know, in my case, fat and in her case, disabled, and then someone shouts abuse, that is the worst that could happen because then we feel bad that they had to see that. You know, mm. it's this sort of, oh no, now they will be really sad because someone shouted at me. Or are they going to react and turn it into a thing? Yeah, then they're going to yeah. be really sad. They're going to be shocked and, you know, I. I I feel bad that they have to, I mean, what, seven years ago when I had to tell my best friend that was very, very thin and conventionally attractive, when I had to tell her that fat phobia existed, she cried for a week because she was so, she was so sad that this was a thing. And it was so much emotional labor to kind of, you know, help her through this crisis. <laughs> And I think I'm just, yeah. I know how sad, I know, you know, we live with this every day when you're fat, you know, you do kind of get used to it and you do have your own way of processing it. And it's a lot for people who've never met it before to suddenly have to realize. And I, and I'm not going to be a saint about this. Like when it comes to um, other, um, you know, minorities or other types of oppression where I'm the one with the privilege. I'm exactly the same. My instinct is always to make it about myself and, you know, to start, you know, projecting all my feelings onto the person who's oppressed because like, I'm a human being. And it's just about learning to stop yourself before you do the, the wrong thing, <laughs> before you do the thing that isn't helpful. And a lot of people just haven't done that yet and I'm part of that you know I, I'm still trying to learn to not react by centering myself which is the unfortunately the most normal reaction to have start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time because messes happen because hey listen remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like i'm serious if that leaks over the counter it'll be a slimy abomination by the time i get back and i was like yeah 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 of course don't worry about it i won't forget <laughs> well oh yeah that happens so start clean with clorox use clorox products as directed rinse after use if in contact with food surface the living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. 
Ashley High Performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Post that photo shoot and post-pandemic, you are feeling in a stronger, more neutral place about your body. But you hoped during the pandemic that that feeling of safety could be what we go back into with the world. Do you feel as though we have improved at all? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, not in... No, I don't think so. I think... And I know that's the only reason the I most... ask, no, 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 you can give any answer you want. I only say that because a lot of people ended up gaining a lot of weight or changing the way they look or stopped wearing so much makeup or stopped getting so much stuff done or couldn't go to the gym or didn't want to go to the gym and just kind of released themselves from the prison of societal expectations because they didn't have to, they could just wear sweatpants and be comfortable and just fucking eat and live without the fear of judgment, which I think people can feel many different sizes but obviously that is so much more extreme if you do not fit within society's confines of what is acceptable um and so that's kind of why I was wondering if there has been any kind of shift because I feel as though conversations that I hear online have become somewhat more accepting but I also accept that there's a you know wide spectrum of those conversations I'm I'm really happy that you say that because that must mean that there has been a shift. What I think happens is the shift happens in another layer of fatness. I think it's sort of the same as body positivity, where it's been really, really good up until a certain size. And I don't experience that because I'm like, I, I think I qualify, I don't know if that's the right word, as a super fat. And that is usually above the size of 28, 30 in UK sizing. I don't know. There's no official, you know, scale. But I'm at the point where it's like, I feel like when I was a lot younger, everyone wanted to be a size zero. And I feel like now, you know, people can be a size 12, a size 14. And, you know, they still experience discrimination. I mean, to be fair, so do the size zeros because people hate women, right? But, (laughs) and so I think now maybe it's easier to be a size 16 than it was before. Maybe it's easier to be an 18 than it was before. But I don't see that up where I am because Mm. people people might be a bit more accepting, but they've not gone all the way up to me. <laughs> not yet. You know, body positivity still has a lot of people who are saying things like, oh, it's okay to have a few extra pounds, you know, and within that saying is like, but there is a limit, mm. you know, and there's still the, as long as you are healthy, as long as you are, you know, and there's still a certain weight where you can look as if like, yes, you have a few extra pounds, but you're probably healthy, where I'm at the place where people look at me and they assume like they know exactly what I eat every single day and what kind of exercise that I do not do. And, you know, they, they have had it drilled into their heads from such a young age that people who look like me behave a certain way, eat a certain way, you know, and just and a certain way. Yeah. You said that even you used to associate fat with lazy or, 
oh all yeah these kind of different and things like lazy you had your and own intelligent yeah all of the classics you know we're either hypersexualized in like you know we're sexually aggressive or we're completely non-sexual you know just don't even have a sex drive and you know they're all the you know you're bad you're desperate you're lonely you're there's so many stereotypes um surrounding fatness and that people just have those you know people just still have those associations and i and maybe that's changing you know for lower lower weights but i'm not seeing that um at my level not yet you know there's still a a long way to go and i think it's important to have this conversation because as i said earlier there's so much toxic positivity that we don't get to have these conversations with people and mm. a lot of people aren't even visible either because they've been erased or they don't choose to make themselves visible because it's fucking intense. I know that you've dealt with some serious, serious trolling. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I really appreciate you being willing to put yourself out there as a voice for this incredibly important discussion. And sometimes we're not always always at the happy ending of society. I'd say we almost never are <laughs> uh, when it comes to our society. But it's really important to have this conversation to remind people that this is still happening and that you don't get to decide when the cutoff is that people are afforded humanity but also and this is just a very personal thing but i'm weirdly being quite self-reflectively happy about like had this been three years ago maybe four years Mm -hmm. ago i would have felt really angry right now i would have felt angry that someone else were benefiting from this thing. And I, you know, I, my reply would have been a lot. Wait, wait, wait. When you say that, you, you're talking about the fact that there are people who benefit from the diet culture and who benefit from. No, who, who, uh, who, um, I would have been, I would have been like, I'm trying to see if I can channel my old self. <laughs> I would have been like, well, it's, it, I don't, I don't care. That's, it's easier for some people because it's still not easy for all people. You know, I would have gone that route. And I was just realizing that when you told me, that it seems like there's a, a more accepting tone. I thought, oh, that's so good. I'm so happy about that. And I think I think both you and I have gone through the same experience of l- learning publicly and I don't being know what wrong you mean. in public. I've, I'm so sorry. I've, I'm completely oh, perfect. I mean, I really didn't want to be the person to tell you this. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have some printouts of all of your tweets. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you and the rest of the fucking internet. Go on. <laughs> Um, and I, I just, it, I, I think I just saw myself, um, in the light of who I, like how I would usually react to this. And I think that's part of where I've, the place I've reached right now, which is where I can, I feel like I can contain more. So I feel like I can contain the joy that things may have shifted in the, in the good way. And I can also contain, you know, oh, but it's not finished yet, but it doesn't have to hurt my soul, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite happy about that. Yeah. Because you know, I think you can also be proud of yourself for that because it's oh, yeah. a, I mean, hard, but be not encouraged. Oh, definitely not encouraged. Rage, outrage think, and division and all these things are the things that get the most clicks, the most attention, the most applause. And, and I understand that, but also it doesn't feel very good. It doesn't feel very good to to not have any hope or to not notice any progress. And I feel as though mm. we are a very all or nothing generation and we need to work on that because it, it, it breeds hopelessness. It breeds spectacular hopelessness. And, um, and that hopelessness will eventually turn into people not trying anymore. Because what will be the can fucking I, can point? Can I give you an, an unpopular opinion? Oh, all the time. 
um, I think, no, I don't think, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, there is a lot of people who are very traumatized, understandably mm-hmm. so, who cannot make the distinction between personal trauma and yeah. activism and who get it mixed up in a way that is understandable and to an extent also very okay. You know, it's not about policing emotions or anything like that. But there is a point where you go, ooh, this isn't helping the cause. This is damaging the cause. So, for example, the cis people who, are, who think that, there are, <laughs> that they're helping me or non-binary people by attacking anyone who uses my pronoun she, and they're doing it so aggressively that it's very clearly them getting something out of it emotionally. You know, mm-hmm. they love being this righteous person who's like, excuse me, you're a piece of shit. So because it makes me. them feel good about themselves, like they're doing something, yes. they're making a difference. It's an emotional yeah. thing, but they think that what they're doing is activism. Um, and if you're a cis person trying to fight for trans people, what you need to do is not do that. You know, if, if, you, if it's a non-binary person doing it, absolutely fair enough. You know exactly, like you, this is your pain. You're allowed to express it. You know, if you're trans Just don't make it you about yourself. No, I, I feel like yeah. if, if you are part of the group, feel like, show your feelings, express your feelings. I don't care about you being in any way, um, you know, productive in your, whatever you react to, right? But if you're a cis person trying to do... Um, uh, an, a non-transphobic thing like trying to f- help trans people that is when it's your job to calm down you know like when mm-hmm. I as a white person talk to other white people about uh, racism it is my job to not go not to start shouting because I suddenly feel emotional about something because that's not going to help turn these people into better people. It's my job to do it in the way that might be uncomfortable for me. But most I'll have effective. To repress. Exactly. That's that, then I have to try and be the most effective. And I think a lot of us could benefit from learning to separate our trauma from what we do on the internet. Shay Yakiwowo was on this podcast and said she thinks it's really important that activism is trauma-informed but not trauma-led. And I think yeah. that that's just one of the most perfect descriptions for what all of us need to be looking out for. I mean, I've, uh, I'm definitely guilty of that. So I've oh, rolled it back the more mentally stable I've become, chilled the same. fuck out and found different and more helpful mediums. Like I'm less active on social media now because we have such a big listenership on this podcast and I get to talk in long form with people who are more educated than me and I get to mm. help more people in a more real way than I can mm. in 280 characters when I'm in a bad mood and I'm incensed and I can't separate ignorance from evil and I'm having an emotional reaction rather than a cerebrally led emotional mm. reaction. Yeah, we're I'm just exactly fucking animals. In the same, yeah. I'm exactly in the same place where, I mean, I still, I'm still on social media a lot, but it's been a while since I've had a rant. You know, it's, I do fun little uh, reels where no, you I found a way to use comedy. You found a way to I'm use, you found a very a, I'm having such a good way. time on social media. And it's also partly because I, I mean, people who were, you know, shouting, it's worked. Like, I'm just not, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered, you know, with the, you know, then there's a 
journalists who, I mean, I still get questions from journalists about tweets I made five years ago. And it just, like, it makes me so tired. And it's also, it keeps me from doing my job, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll, I, I do comedy and then suddenly there's this, you know, oh, but you can't both be angry and a comedian. <laughs> and, you know, of course you can if you're George Carlin or in other words, a man. But um, if you present as a woman and you're uh, angry on the internet, you're unhinged. You well, that's know, fair, because a period. Yourself. That's fair. It's, it's a period thing, yeah. yeah it's a constant Everyone's period. Everyone's crazy, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I'm, I'm with the men here. Um, <laughs> for anyone out there who is living in a body that, as we've described, is still exempt from the correct, dignified, humane treatment. What words of advice, if any, do you have so they can get to the place of peace that you got to in order to take the photographs that you took and put them on the internet and make the TikToks that you make and and to get to this place of peace that you are in the region of? I mean, I want to be really just corny and be like read my book <laughs> but you can say whatever you want you can also tell me well, to go fuck myself one. like <laughs> oh, that would be fun wouldn't yeah. it yeah um, do it let's, let's stage fight. a really aggressive <laughs> argument and then it'll go viral uh that would be fun um i mean obviously read my book because that's that would be really fun for me if you did that and mm-hmm. um but and also i used to answer this question a lot more militantly and i used to be like oh you need to do, i need because what helped for me doesn't I've now realized doesn't necessarily help for everyone because my mm-hmm. brain functions as a very and dis, dysfunctions in a lot of very different ways. But I thought that it was a fact. My entire life I thought it was a fact that fat was bad and thin was good. And for me, things started to change when I learned about sustain the boring words, right? Systemic oppression and sexism and capitalism, um, capitalism, oh, the big one, and how it's all connected and how essentially, if you boil it down, mm-hmm. the reason that you hate your body is because, I mean, a group of men sat down and decided that that's what you should do. And it's all about money. It's all about some uh, money and power. It's all about men wanting and needing money and power that is what it all boils down to and that is so much easier to distance yourself from than you know (laughs) just like having your own personal feelings right so for me it felt I used anger and defiance as a motivation to be like hang on if I hate myself I'm doing what these Mm -hmm men want me to do because they want to make money where if I just have a great time and I eat whatever I want and I do whatever I want and I just tell myself I'm amazing and then I believe that I'm amazing then that is true that's my truth you know that's not less true than someone who thinks the truth is that I'm disgusting and it was true when you were locked inside so it doesn't get to be untrue just because you're faced with other people's fucking behavior yeah and that's great I mean if you want to get really you know it was true when I was yeah it was true when I was a tiny baby yeah when we were tiny tiny babies and we came out and we had a little chubby stomach we were adorable and beautiful and perfect Mm -hmm. and there's at no point did that change unless you know you became a a Tory. Um, <laughs> again, nothing to do with looks. 
<laughs> I'm so glad you said that. I'm so fucking angry with the Tories. Um, no, I mean, how listen, I um, I really appreciate you. I I feel a lot of the same things. We talk about it a lot on this podcast. That there is a joy to the revolution of self acceptance because mm. it means that you don't buy things because you feel sad. You buy mm. things when you want them or you buy less things and you just have a nice time. <laughs> As I've learned, the more and more I've managed to conquer this stuff. Before you go, Sophie, will you please tell me, what do you weigh? I I have spent my entire life running away from my weight. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I weigh, I think, 152 or 3 kilos. Mm-hmm. And... That's a neutral fact. And that's how much I weigh. And that's the answer to the question, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm a lot of other things, but I weigh 150 something kilos. I love it. And it makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. That's just what I weigh. Period. There's no need to, there's no need to like, you know. No need to hide from it, run from it anymore. Yeah, that's what I weigh. I appreciate the freedom in mm. the way that your face looks as you say that <laughs> and the way that you smile it makes me really happy um, thank you so much you've been a joy and I can't wait to talk to you again same same sees. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Aaron Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. We also have a bonus series exclusively on Stitcher Premium called Ask Jamila Anything. Check it out. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code iway lastly over at iway we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast you can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iwaypodcast at gmail.com and now we would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners here's an iway from one of our listeners my two rescue cats the childlike joy i still have within me the lives I've saved or helped as a doctor, the love and respect I'm finally finding in myself. Thanks, therapy. Those are wonderful things to weigh. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.